0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite Georgetown Hoyas basketball podcast. I'm Bobby Bancroft, and I am joined for another post-game edition with Marcus Washington from Making the Cut at MTC with MOOC and back by popular demand, the People's Champion, Ben Standing from The Athletic at Ben Standing. Is it, is it at Ben Standing?
1: Uh, it is. That's where I get my hate mail, yes.
0: I wasn't sure. I don't want to sell you short. Maybe it was like B standing or something. But Ben, it's great to have you back. Marcus, you as well. And we just watched one of the worst Georgetown games in recent memory. Georgetown lost to Creighton 63-48 in a game that was not that close. The Hoyas shot 28% from the field. They took a million threes. They did not make very many. They had more turnovers, 24, than made shots, which was 16 Literally everything that went right last week when Georgetown upset Creighton in Omaha did not go the Hoyas' way today. So maybe it'd be better just to talk about what we did for the
1: Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I uh, as, a, as a Tom Brady uh, backer, as Bobby knows, I, I enjoyed the Super Bowl. I was home. I, I was, uh, I, I, I did order pizza to to be part of the celebration. I couldn't be with people, so I ordered pizza, figuring most people were doing some version of that. That was my highlight.
2: I ordered wings, and it's one of those games where, uh, being a Raiders fan, I have no love for the Kansas City Chiefs, but then on the flip side, you know, I never had any love for the New England Patriots, but since Tom Brady is not with the Patriots anymore, it was a little bit more palatable to see them win than if the Chiefs had won.
0: I usually throw two big parties a year, Super Bowl. 4th of July, obviously those things don't happen anymore, but what I've been doing recently is putting a TV in my driveway and some of the neighborhood dads have been kind of coming down and hanging out so we did that uh, I got 50 wings from Kilroy's, which was a very ambitious order, I don't know, maybe it just felt good, it felt normal to do something like that, I hadn't had their wings in like a year, I hadn't been inside in a year I actually went inside to to go get them but um, I don't really remember a lot about the game, which is kind of what I hope to uh, not remember about this game. So <laughs> Creighton, Creighton held Georgetown to a Big East low. So 48 points by the Hoyas is the fewest points. When you think of Creighton, you think of, you know, running around, shooting a million threes, scoring 80, 90, even 100 points. They held Georgetown. That's, that's the fewest points a team has scored against Creighton in a Big East game which is kind of crazy because their first Big East game ever in the 2013-14 season, they held Marquette to 49. Uh, ben, I know you gave this game attention for the
1: first time in a while, and I don't think they did a whole lot to bring you back. Yeah, I was trying to focus and my, I, I, I feel like every time there was a turnover or a complete defensive uh, breakdown, my, my, my soul broke a little bit. So I kept focusing on other stuff and, uh, uh, I was using your Twitter feed to to tell me oh so and so is in the game because um it was it was a tough watch it was not easy uh <laughs> you know I mean yeah I mean Georgetown was lucky that Creighton wasn't even shooting well yeah. what were they, like six for like they shot like twenty five percent from three or something um yeah it was a you know twenty point game that felt like it was like thirty something most of the way it was just not uh, not pretty and and just yeah just way too many turnovers too many mistakes defensively um to, to you know to have to have any shot against a good team
0: marcus if before the game i told you these two facts how good would you feel about a georgetown win if i said georgetown's gonna hold creighton to 63 and creighton's gonna shoot six for 25 from deep would you be basically would it be a question of did the hoyas win or by how much did the hoyas win?
2: It would have been like, probably would have been the second. I would have thought that somehow, some way, the game would have stayed close, but Georgetown would have eked it out at the end. But it was obvious that they paid too much attention to Z- Zegarowski and Mahoney, and they were very good at defending them, those two combined, for 4 for 18 shooting. But unfortunately for them, because of the how Creighton runs their offense, Yes, those two are the most dangerous scores. Unfortunately for Georgetown, they're not the only scores. And one of the things I don't think that um, McDermott was given enough credit for tonight was not only did he neutralize Kudis Wahab, he made him a liability. He put him in screen and roll a lot, but it didn't end there. When Wahab tried to adjust and went to drop coverage, they just attacked the drop coverage. And they just made him defend, made him do things. They put him in uncomfortable spots. And I know uh, Patrick said that he thought they played well defensively. I'll be frank with you. I didn't think they played well defensively at all. And I don't think they made any adjustments to what Creighton was doing to them um, with putting Wahab in those positions. I thought that maybe they should have gone small um, earlier in the game, they went small, and I swear to you, it's like it lasted for 15 seconds. Um, Wait, he, he, actually said, back in. he actually said
1: he actually said post game they played. He thought they played well defensively.
2: He said he that they he didn't think that they played bad defensively. Wow, I think he's I I think
0: basically he's just looking at the number and saying, well, you know, we held them to 63, we can win with that.
1: I mean, I that that's that's the only thing I can I can take from that comment by the way, Bobby, to your point of like if you if you said before the game these things would happen, so Georgetown shot a higher percentage from three, they made more free throws, they had more rebounds, and they had more assists. <laughs> oh, you said all those things. You'd be like, well, I I mean, cool. Yeah. Georgetown uh, sweeps Creighton. The more the
0: more free throw thing is pretty. It's I, a pretty deceiving number, and I was I was tweeting about this because. Georgetown didn't attempt a free throw until four minutes left. I'm not going to lie. I was rooting for the oddity of them just not, of not, you know, attempting a free throw. It's, it's really hard to believe what just happened. I know that we were surprised that Georgetown didn't play smaller at Creighton and they didn't, you know, Creighton didn't really punish Wahab and Ego FA particularly, who was plus 19 in that game in nine minutes, I believe, which is just absolutely insane. You just come out and just keep shooting threes and you know Dante Harris has had a really good freshman year. Being thrown in there, he's not really a three point shooter. He took he took five quick ones. What did Harris Harris ended up? Okay, one for five. He he didn't take any more. But you know, like like Don Carey is their best three point shooter numbers wise. He doesn't even take them anymore. He took zero against Villanova. I think he had two tonight. Just I, I guess what I was waiting to see was one Ewing calling timeout and just literally subbing all five guys just saying you know what and just putting in murison putting in um robinson you know um just 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 being like i'm so disgusted with what's going on right now or to do a shift and be like look guys stop shooting threes and post game he said i don't mind if we're shooting threes you know if they're the right kind so i i was a little i was a little surprised uh maybe Maybe even annoyed that that those kind of things didn't happen, like we're gonna come down, we're gonna run a set, and we're gonna get it inside, we're gonna go to the line and we didn't see either either of those things happen.
2: no, they didn't, and I think again, I go back to what he said before about execution and everything comes down to execution. You have to have some creativity when teams see you twice, especially within a span of six days, and you know you don't have any counters, you don't have any adjustments you don't bring anything new to the second half of a conference schedule, and you don't do those things, I just don't know how successful you can be unless you're always head and shoulders the better team, where you can out-execute or whatever the case may be. But when you're not, you just can't throw those guys out there and just say, keep running this. Yes, that other coach has made the adjustment because he's actually looking at films saying – we're going to tweak this, we're going to do this different and that different, and you're doing the same thing. And then um, you feel like if the kid's not executing, and I'm thinking to myself, well, there, there's got to be some sharing the blame um, from the coaching staff too where they need to start making adjustments and put these guys in position to succeed. Because tonight, I mean, Creighton was so physical and so aggressive on the perimeter, which is why Georgetown – could not throw it inside. It was why Georgetown settled for so many standstill threes and those type of things. But you should have had something you could have gone to that could have alleviated that. And there was just nothing to go to. Hey, Ben. Yes, sir.
1: So
0: you've covered the NBA for a long time. You still do now that the Washington football team is over. I feel like, is it, is it just more of an NBA coaching mentality to kind of, maybe always put the blame at your players. I know you were on the post game today and, you know, one of the things Ewing kept kind of saying was, you know, we were selfish. We weren't ready, that kind of stuff. And sometimes even if the coach doesn't necessarily think it's him, I feel like a lot of times in college you hear the college coach just say, look, you know what, that – this one's on me. I didn't have our guys ready, you know, this and that, the other thing. And we, you know, we're, we're, we're four years in and I do like Ewing. I I really like, I I've been liking him a lot in the media veils recently. I feel like he's, he's, he's loosened up. I feel like you can tell he's having fun, but I think one of the things that really does stay with him is when the team doesn't go out and execute, it's usually on the team. Does, is there anything to that or am I just looking
1: for an answer? Uh, I mean, you know, on the one hand, you know, I always appreciate, as a reporter, somebody telling me their truth. So I yeah. try not to, like, tell call somebody out if they're being honest, because obviously we get a lot of, you know, canned answers. Yeah, you know, yeah. Especially if you cover the Wizards and you got Scott Brooks. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, to that point, but generally, yes, I mean especially i feel like in like you know in general yeah you you're not you don't want to like throw it too much on the players you gotta you know we you know we didn't do this well we have to do better and you know even if you get you know blown out you know yeah we didn't execute well but that we also didn't coach well and things like that so it it would be a little unusual if it's consistently being as you're saying to not not um not 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 do that um but I had a question for you two guys, and you guys are watching them play way more than I am right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, prior to this game, they had been playing better since they came back from the uh, from, from the from the pause of the season. Obviously, they beat Creighton, that they, they were tight to Villanova, beat Providence, right? And I guess my question is, uh, this game was so ugly. How much of whatever positive strides they had made in those previous three games do you feel got wiped out in your head? based on this performance, or is it still of the in the four games, right, at four games, that of those games, you're still feeling more optimistic than you did before they came back because of what
2: you saw?
0: You, you want to start, Marcus?
2: I think that every ounce of goodwill that was earned that came out is gone. <laughs> wow, With performance. okay. I, mean, I I really do. And I don't know if this is the type of team that you can trust to recover. Um, on Saturday or this weekend whenever they play again, I I don't trust them to recover because, you know what, that other coach gets paid too, and he's going to watch some of the things that was done, and maybe he doesn't have the same personnel that Creighton has to execute it in the way it was executed tonight, but you best believe that there are going to be adjustments made to kind of take advantage of some of the stuff that happened tonight And if those adjustments aren't being made on both ends, then I have no reason to have faith that this wasn't one of these soul-crushing losses.
0: I guess what I would say is, and Ben, I know that we've talked about this with different things. If this had been the first game after the pause, and then we had the other three, I wouldn't even think twice about it. But the fact that it's come in this sequence— it's almost like it's such a bad performance that I'm not sure that I feel like it might be a one-off. I, th- I think that's possible just because like everywhere you look, everything is bad. I, you know, I guess, you know, Jamarco Pickett had a double, double. That's obviously good. He, you know, he leads the big East in rebounding. Maybe you can look at Dante Harris and say, you know what? Creighton was trying to force him to be a shooter. He got caught too early doing that. Wahab missed a bunch of bunnies. Bele, who's been playing incredible, his usage rate early on was just, I mean, I think he had five quick turnovers. He had taken six shots. That means 11, like 11 of their first 20 possessions ended with Belay doing something, which wasn't really what the doctor called for today. So I think if we, if you get something else similar to this against Butler, who can obviously make the game very ugly and choppy and terrible, then I think, I think you can really sound the alarm, but I think, I think it's almost just so bad. You know, they, they, they it looked like they, it, it looked like Patrick made them walk home from Villanova. You, you know, it just seemed like they didn't want to be there. One of the first plays of the game, B goes flying on a shot fake, which by the way, you got, you got a shot fake Georgetown. I mean, they're flying at every, every, every shot fake. And then the guy, I, I'm not even sure who it was. He just, he just dunked it over. Every, I mean, it was a terrible start. It was a terrible. It it never got any better. But then you know me; I'm not necessarily glass half full over here. <laughs> so I think that it's possible this could be a one off. But man, they did lose a lot
1: of that goodwill. All right, good, uh, good, good, good to know. Uh, I, this is how who are they playing next? I'm I'm so. Uh... I just said. Wait, who did you say? I... The Bulldogs. Butler's coming to uh, town. Oh, Butler. Well, oh, they, they like playing Butler
0: and Hinkle. Not this year. Um, Do you want to get to the good points? So the good points tonight, Blair is up to, well, first of all, Blair and Pickett have set up just high theater on next game. So Blair now is at 991 points. He had a couple threes tonight, so he passed Austin Freeman. He's fourth all-time in threes with 188. He's one behind one of my favorites. Of course, Freeman's one of my favorites, but one behind Kevin Braswell. Pickett is up to 989 points. So basically, look, it's, they're both going to get 1,000 next next game, which is going to be pretty cool. Um, and Pickett hit four threes. He passed Mark Tillman and Ashante Cook. He's up to 159 threes, and he is up to, I think it's uh, ninth place. So those are the good things that happened. Am I missing any other really good things? Neither not you. from my end. They're, you're not.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think it would be neat, and I would like to see a stat or if someone can um, look this up sometime before this game is, how many times have you seen a, a team have two players get 1,000 points in the same game?
1: Yeah,
0: I'm not even sure how to do that. That sounds like a, a job for Patrick Stevens.
1: Yeah. Uh, absolutely.
0: Ben, you were part of the post game. Any thoughts? You hadn't you hadn't been on one. Actually this might have been your first one all season.
1: Uh I was there more in spirit than in body. I was slightly distracted. So it wasn't very long. Uh it was it was uh you know, it was good to see people. Uh I haven't seen Kareem Copeland in a while. Saw him on the Zoom. Um Ewing seemed fairly animated. Uh you know, the fact that no players I mean, I don't know. Uh you know that 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 was a, a common uh, thing at times with the previous administration as well, but it seems like it's worse now. I I always think like pull pull back on the idea of the wins and the losses and the NCAA tournaments and all that stuff. Like you bring these kids to to school to play basketball, and part of it is you're going to give them an education uh, in terms of basketball, and in in some ways these things will help them go forward. And like one of the things is part of the experience is dealing with the media, uh, right? And it's not like, I mean, look, the the the, the, George, the Georgetown media is pretty tame, but like it's an experience. Okay, here, young man, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna go out here, we're gonna talk. You're gonna have to think on your feet. People are gonna ask you questions. This is gonna happen in life at some point too, maybe not on camera, but you're gonna be in circumstances. You'll be at a, I don't know, a job interview or you'll be in a board meeting or whatever it is. You're gonna have to deal with stuff. So this is an opportunity to, to do that and to practice and obviously also to get yourself out there a little bit you know that's we want you to be come to georgetown and become a not a brand nobody wants to label it like that but become something else and then to not have these kids do that i just i just always think that you know whatever like i mean look a bad game loss i get it but it's like all the time right for these guys i i i don't know i don't get that and by the way we're not even in person like it's not even like you know this is the easiest this is the easiest ever over the Zoom, so I don't know. I'm never a big fan of that.
2: Yeah, I thought uh, the word selfish was used more than I've ever heard it used uh, in my life. No, I just thought it was a lot of frustration, and like Ben said, I would like to see players win or lose uh, come out there, because I do think there's a lot of value in that, and especially if this wasn't an NCAA tournament game, as you know, you would have to bring players back anyway. Eventually, they're going to have to um, get used to being in a situation like this. And if they get to the next level, you know, it would be nice that they would have had experience of speaking to the media when things go bad. So there's no value in trying to hide kids from coming back, especially when there are other schools, and I won't name them, that win or lose, they always bring uh at least two student athletes back sometimes three
0: did you get that last night in college park yes yeah that was also a game that was not that was not pretty for a nine o'clock tip for the local fans that was not that was also a game that was kind of ugly offensively yeah i tried to get you know when ewing said that the team was selfish he kept saying it i tried to get him not to say who was selfish because i don't think like i said he's done a, I, th- I think he does a pretty good job communicating with us. And I know he's not going to throw kids under the bus, but I was curious in, okay, you're Patrick Ewing. Everything's going bad. Who do you call on? And I specifically mentioned it's tough because usually you'd look to your point guard and their point guard is a freshman, right. Who's playing in his, you know, 15th college game. So he, he just, you know, generically said the seniors, which for this team, it's two guys that have been here for four years and then it's, you know, two grad transfers So it's kind of all over the place. I I wasn't sure if he would say Javon or Jamarco. In a perfect world, who do you guys think would be that player on this team when everything's going wrong you look at so-and-so? Or, like I said, and maybe I'm just stuck on this tonight, I wanted to maybe see him get a technical or I wanted to see him just, you know what, like like, uh, Mason used to do. They'd have the green team and the gold team or whatever. Just pull all five of those guys out. It doesn't have to be for five minutes. You can do it for two possessions, right? but just do something to be like, guys, this is just terrible. This is unacceptable.
2: I would have gone small with Pickett being my big, and I would have ran action with putting Pickett in screen and roll with Blair and to see if I could get Creighton's defense to loosen up, to overhelp, which could have helped maybe the other guys out on the court get better looks. I would have tried. Something along those lines. And you know what? That might have failed also. But I certainly would have put that out on the table to see if that would have worked to kinda change things around of the how the game was going at the time being. Um, just sticking Wahab in there and having them jam the screen and rolls, uh, having them double the ball on the screen and rolls, you weren't gonna be able to throw it in over the top like you did the first time. So, obviously, Creighton made adjustments to that. And I I probably would have went small, had Pickett in screen and roll, used him, a guy who can pick and run, he can pick and pop. There's a lot of things that he can do um, outside of just trying to rim run to see if that puts some sort of pressure on Creighton. But, um, obviously, Patrick, uh, Patrick wasn't looking for suggestions from me.
0: Ben you've been so busy every day there's a new Washington football problem or story or angle. How weird is it just towards, you know, the college basketball experience?
1: I mean, you know, I'm sure I've said before on this (laughs) podcast, some version of like, you know, college basketball for me is just not even close to what being what it was. Um, for all the, you know, reasons that have been discussed, you know, the one and done and, you know, you don't know who anybody is and, you know, just the level of play, whatever. But, you know, the one thing college basketball always has going for it is the enthusiastic crowds, you know, with the students there, you know, you think of the Duke situation as being the most prominent one and man, like you take it, you, that's all gone. And now you just have these, you know, random gyms. I mean, you tweeted, like, it feels like a bad Kenner league game. Um, oh, I tweeted that. Not, that's, that's like my best tweet of the night. I know. I told you. I told you, you tweeted it. Yeah.
0: You know, I almost included part of that tweet, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to argue with you in front of everybody, but I feel like every time I meet you up there, you've got these interesting shoes that are like they're, they're like your summer sandals. I almost included that. I said, you know, this is like Clyde's versus the Tombs, and I was going to be like, and this is where Ben wears like his, you know, if we find a lake, you can also Go in the
1: lake, and you know you're not going to ruin your shoes. What are those shoes? <laughs> uh, They're the shoes that everybody makes fun of. You would have gotten a bunch of people in the in the on the Washington football team media beat liking that <laughs> tweet if you had done that for sure. <laughs> um, he, he, here's a question I, I have for you, but yeah, it's definitely weird. I mean, there's no, I, it's just a weird game and a weird sport. And the, and I look, I think college basketball's got a lot of problems right now. Obviously, the pandemic is what it is, and we can't really do that. But like, I think I think it feels like this has exposed it to some degree. You've stripped away the thing that was the most interesting, and now you're just left with the game itself. And I, you know, look, obviously Georgetown's a team we're talking about; they're five and ten. So this maybe it would feel different if we are watching Creighton every game; they're fifteen and five. But in general, it just feels like college basketball is in a weird spot. Um, but here's a question I have for you, and I kind of think I know the answer, but. Um, I was talking to somebody about the Wizards earlier, and the Wizards are obviously terrible this year and struggling. And you know, we had the, the question we asked was, at what point do they pivot? At what point do they say, okay, this season is going this way. We've got some younger guys. We need to lean into that. We need to lean into getting these younger guys on the court. Maybe that means some veterans play less minutes or don't play at all. How does that work? And I guess my question for for this is, You know, look, obviously in college basketball, you could win your conference tournament and therefore get in. But, you know, it it doesn't appear that Georgetown is going to have this miraculous turnaround. Is there a point where somebody should say, hey, Patrick, uh, do you see a moment where you're going to pivot knowing like I'm not saying sit Blair and pick it, but knowing that you probably need to get some of these guys more minutes who are going to definitively not just be here next year, but you need to have them probably do some things. Is that a question that has been asked or should be asked? Great question. I
0: think we've talked about this every podcast. It's clear based on one, what Ewing has done and two, what he has said in media veils, he's looking to win every game. And I I, I have a hard time believing they've got, we don't actually, we don't even know how many games they have left right now on the schedule. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They might have more games that were postponed sort of, you know, show up at some point, but I think it's pretty clear that that's not on the agenda and Marcus and I were sort of wondering last week if I'm sure you know about this but all the seniors have the opportunity to come back whether it's here or they can play somewhere else all all the they're they're all going to have another year of eligibility based on what Ewing's done with the freshmen that are coming in and the fact that there's no juniors and your sophomore class is basically Wahab Ego FA plays a little bit They're going to need players next year that have some experience. And none of the freshmen outside of Dante Harris have that. So I guess to answer your question, I don't think they're going to start doing that. And to me, it would be as as simple as playing Berger two minutes a half, playing Sibley. Sibley's been playing a little bit more. We saw Kobe Clark for the first time in a long time tonight. I don't think Patrick's going to do that. I I think he's looking to win every game. Marcus, what do you think?
2: Patrick being in the NBA hurts him because he's from an era and it's funny this uh, comes up because Brad Doherty was talking about this this morning. And the idea in their era is you try to win every game, no matter what. And in his case, they were talking about when do you rush players? When do you understand that you give other players experience until um, you can come back and get to a championship form? And he was talking about the Golden State Warriors And in a sense, you can apply this to Georgetown of saying, hey, look, there are times where you just need to understand what's best for the program and what's best for the program this year. And I've said it for four weeks now, is you give those guys a chance to play. Playing them does not equate that you're not trying to win. There are ways to give them minutes where you're also competitive in games. No one's asking him, You play those kids 38 minutes a game and bench everyone else. You work them in in between media timeouts. You work them in that way. You work them in with four other veteran players out there or three other veteran players out there. There are ways to do it without necessarily uh, acting like you're waving the white flag. And that's where it comes down to the creativity thing. That's part of what those guys sitting on the bench, that's part of their job. Their job is to balance that out. What is best for us now, what is best for the program going forward? You are a caretaker of the program. The program exists more than the season that you're currently playing. And I just don't think that's being thought of this season because you're going to go into the next season, as you said. You're going to go into the next season. You're going to have the same questions. You're going to have the same questions with the same issues and the same rhetoric of you know, you know, we got to get experience, we got to do this we got to do that. Well, you could have gotten that experience this year and gotten ahead of the curve, but you haven't done it and you've not shown us that you have any desire to do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, it, 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 I don't know if this is the curse of the, the all, you know, the superstar player becoming a coach and it always doesn't seem to work. Um, or like you said, Marcus, like he's an NBA guy. And, you know, look, I think also just Ewing's nature in general, like – that's who he was as a player, a great competitor, and you know, obviously at Georgetown, there was no such thing as pivoting. <laughs> the only pivoting was what he was doing in the paint, uh, you know, against, uh, you know, against Bill Wennington or something. Uh, the, so yeah, I think for him, it's just, it, it's one of those things where he just maybe just doesn't get it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's I don't know, it's it, it you got to figure out how to how to move this thing forward, and uh, yeah, I mean. Trying to win every game is important, but you can still try to win, but simultaneously advancing the cause.
0: What do you guys miss most about going to games? Actually, you know what? Let oh, me I, say that. Let me say that a different way. What what food selection? You kind of go through your head of like what you kind of normally get. What what food are you missing the most? Well,
2: certainly not pizza. Um, uh, oh, obviously. At Georgetown, I'm sometimes I'm missing uh, not having Magianos as much as I've had it over the last uh, few seasons.
1: Ben, are you going to go with the uh, chicken parm? <laughs> well, the mexicaria era is uh, long <laughs> gone, so probably not. Probably not that. Uh, they probably they have some pretty good food there. I, I would just say, like, I, I, boy, it really. I was trying to think about it. It's been so long. But like between the Georgetown and the Wizards game, there was always a decent selection of like of cookies, and uh, you know, like I go to the store, I'm not really buying that, but like if they're there, you know, you can just grab one. I'm like, all right, well, I'll gra-. and by the way, when I take one, I mean like four. Uh, so like the cookies, you know, there's some chocolate chip, Those were always good. So um, yeah, probably just at a base level, having that uh, was always uh, was always a good deal.
0: I think the last couple of years Georgetown's really stepped up their food game. And between whatever the Tex-Mex we get and the pasta. But then they have, they have a lot of those 12 o'clock games where we get the um, the breakfast. It's like one of those things where I would never go buy it myself. But they've got like these Apple turnovers. And I'll usually get like one when I get like whatever. It's like a sandwich or whatever. And then if there's a couple left, I just, I'd say, you know what? Everyone's had enough time. Clearly no one else likes these. And I'll just take like the rest of them. I miss that. I do. I really I really miss that. I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, I, I don't know how often Ben is going to grace us with his presence, so I want to get all of Ben's takes on a wide range. Now Marcus, I will say this. Ben and I are on team pizza. And I haven't been to GW games in oh. a while, but one of the best things, I mean, if you tell me like if I if I walk into Mason and you never know what you're going to get. Usually not great. But if I know I'm getting a pizza every time at Smith Center, I will take it.
2: Are you serious? Yes. Oh, oh, wow. Ben,
1: I I don't. I guess I don't understand. Is there an? Is there another team besides Team Pizza? Yeah, Marcus is on. When you walk into the Patriot Center, I always feel like I'm going to lose weight, which is not a bad
0: thing, by the way.
1: But I mean, I I just don't get, are you, Marcus, are you anti-pizza? Or you just don't, like, if you're at a game, you're trying to eat healthy, you just don't want pizza? Are you still here, Marcus? That was the most important question I'm ever going to ask somebody, too. I still see him here. Oh, he's gone. Well, I guess you really offended him with uh, the pizza jab. I'm I'm definitely perplexed. I've never heard somebody be (laughs) not on Team Pizza unless there was, like, some, like, you know medical reason or something um he's back he's back all right yes i am marcus we want to know
0: more about this pizza problem that you have
2: oh man again there's a there's a couple of schools that i mean it's pizza every time and it's just like oh it gets me man because not only does georgetown have um a really um good selection most nights, most days, but it's also BCU is just absolutely awesome. And they always have pizza, no matter what they're serving. They always have a pizza selection, but they really leverage their local places around. And it's just like, oh, you're just in heaven. You, you have pizza, you have wings, you have, um, you know, sandwiches from some of the local places. It's just, I mean, it's 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 pretty darn good. So sometimes I look forward to like the VCU's, uh, the Georgetown's, and and, and the Maryland's uh, to get me kind of away from the pizza rut. I guess, though, like in the in this in the specific example that I'm giving,
0: like I don't go to as many places as you've been recently. I feel like when you walk into George Mason, it's just all bets are off. Like, like. <laughs> You know, and so like I'm saying, if you tell me I go to GW and it's just guaranteed pizza, I'm taking
2: that. Right, right. George Mason, it, it is um, it is a guessing game. Uh, there's no doubt about it. You don't, um, there's no theme. There's really no rhyme or reason to what you're going to have that night. I get it. I, I, I th- totally get you.
0: I think it's whatever Brian's Grill had too much of.
2: Is that where it comes from? I think so. Oh, okay. I never knew where the food came from.
0: And look, I like Brian's Grill. The some of the stuff that shows up at the Patriot Center, I don't know where they've been hiding it.
1: I'll tell you this what, Bobby. What I will. I'd be. I'd be happy to eat the George Mason gr- gruel as you're describing it. If it means <laughs> That's we exactly get go, what if it is. Get, if we get to go to a game and I get out of my house. Um, i'm down for for the gruel look i didn't get this kind of physique by
0: not finding ways around this problem i mean you know now here's what mason does a great job of since this has turned into the george mason food uh, pod someone i think goes to costco and just buys a ton of snacks so they have like a tray of snacks and you just look like the last time I had a, what is it, a Rice Krispies treat was at George Mason. I get it every time. It's incredible. But the actual meal, I'm just like, man, like, I feel like I'm in some, uh, I got sent away to, like, some boarding school, you know, and just got stuck here. So it's not all bad. There's ways around it, but come on, man. The pizza, you can you can almost have a whole pizza at GW by yourself if you're smart about it.
2: <laughs> right. I don't know. I, George Mason was the last uh, place I ever had a pop tart, to be honest with you. So there are some, um, there are some take me back to childhood moments when I, um, when I'm at George Mason. But the pizza, whew, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I feel like now you're
0: insulting pop tarts, which <laughs> I buy them like literally every week. It's like on my shopping list.
2: Oh, is that right?
0: And you know what's great is my four year old doesn't like it, so I am a little concerned about our actual um, relationship. Ben, I think, is on P- team Pop Tart as well.
1: Again, I don't understand the opposite uh, <laughs> camp there. So, yeah, I will um, say this:
0: I got some pumpkin pie pop tarts. I didn't; they're, they're kind of they've they've been sitting they've been sitting in the uh, cupboard
1: since uh, Halloween they're not they're not very good. The 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 flavors can get a little uh a little out of their head. I will just say like you know, thinking of all these places and and all these things, I mean, you know, uh obviously we all miss normal life, but um like that was my normal life going to some game all the time uh like you guys and like oh man, it's like even like even the stuff that drove me crazy or whatever. I uh, you yeah, know, definitely you know, m- 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 missing it all uh Having this conversation, I, 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 if we go, if we get back to a Kenner League situation, Bobby, I might even consider eating a, a Kenner dog, although not really, but like, what, whatever, it, whatever it takes. If that's what I have to do to get back to normal, I'll, I'll do it.
0: Do you want to make a bet? It won't be this summer.
1: Yeah, I don't think it'll be this summer. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, as somebody covering the Washington football team, I'm hoping by the time we get to that season. You know things are sort of back to normal, <clears throat> especially since they have a a fun road schedule this year with games in Las Vegas, Green Bay. Um, you know, I, I, I need we need a ro- we need some good uh, road trip, like not just to travel to a game, but actually do stuff.
0: I need to find a way to get out to that game. I've never been to Vegas.
2: What? Never
0: been oh, to Vegas? My. Yeah.
2: Oh. That used to be one of my. Uh favorite destinations um probably a little too much of a favorite destination, but favorite destination nonetheless um, it used to be my frequent vacation spot, so um, I do miss not going out there There's I've no been to doubt. vegas I think
1: Vegas I've been more than any other place in the country besides here i and mean, my dad lived there for a while, he started taking me when I was thirteen, turned to me to degenerate early uh Summer league every year, super uh, playoff trips with my friends. Final, you know, Final Four or whatever. Yeah, I, uh, the, the Vegas is very much a a, a miss. Uh, but I can't even comprehend when I see people there. I'm like, oh my lord, are you serious? Like, what? I, get out of here! I couldn't possibly imagine being in Vegas with the normal Vegas stuff in this scenario. Yeah, hard pass. Yeah.
2: Bobby, you gotta, yeah, you gotta eventually, you gotta eventually make it out there. It's um, and to the, the tell a little personal story, when it comes to it, I remember I never wanted to go um, to Vegas at all because I grew up in a very uh, conservative household, and so everything that we was always told about that city was, you know, essentially don't go. And then I went. I guess I was, oh, man, I probably was early 30s. And then once I went once, next thing you know, I was going like four times a year. I mean, just that's how great it was.
0: I had a bunch of friends that would go for the tournament, and I used to just always, it seems hard to believe this, but I used to always make sure I was at Georgetown's games for the first weekend of the tournament. and um, How'd that go? It went well a couple times. There's a couple times it was really good. There, one year, through bankrupt me between, you know, it was like four straight weekends, Big East tournament, and then all the way to the Final Four. There's been some tougher uh, tournament weekends. To, we don't have to. to... Yeah, to... <laughs> oh, sorry, good. We don't have to really uh, go over all yeah. of those. If
1: you're still listening, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> right to 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 connect the the Vegas and Georgetown. Like one of my things, like I would go to the summer league. A lot of years for for work purposes covering the wizards but like while i was there i would always try to figure out some freelancing opportunities and there was always a lot because there's you know all kinds of players and it was always a georgetown reunion i henry sims and i had a standing appointment basically three years in a row i think where i would find him and like interview him for somebody um yeah, dsr jabril uh i i, I got him um am sure other ones up this prior yeah Prior, Yeah. Good, 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 good one. Uh, so yeah, that was always my thing. I mean, uh, I, I, LJ peak, I think was the last time I went, okay. uh, was that, was out there, but yeah, I, um, maybe so I, think Josh da- Smith. I think, I think Derrickson also, uh, may, maybe Josh Smith, but like Derrickson also. So yeah, I mean, that was always like a, a thing to see those guys. Uh, so yes, I would be excited to go out there and see, uh, you know, Jamarco Pickett if that's an option this summer.
0: Hey, you know, maybe end this and wrap this up on some actual basketball, even though I've really enjoyed the food talk and travel talk we've gotten into. Oh, man, you know, I just clicked on a Ryan Matumbo tweet, and it totally ruined my concentration. I had something really, really incredible to say, and I've totally blown it.
1: I don't think this has happened to me yet. Somebody so you, right something. now you're saying you cannot remember what you were going to say?
0: I wanted to, oh, I got it. I got it. <laughs> don't ask me why, but I was, I got like this message that my DVR was getting full. And there's a lot of things that I record that I don't need to record anymore. So I was doing a lot of things, but I have all these old Georgetown games on there. And based on what they are, I like, you know, keep them, delete them, whatever. And I watched, don't ask me why. I'm sure I think it was in the middle of the night. I watched Ewing's first Big East tournament game, which would have been 2018. And they lost, He lost all of them. They lost to St. John's. They, they, they'd swept St. John's in the regular season and they lost to them in the Big East tournament, but it just stood out to me. So, you know, Pickett's a freshman, Blair's a freshman. It just stood out to me just how good Marcus Derrickson was. And I know that that year him and, uh, him, and him and Jesse were kind of neck and neck with points and rebounds. Marcus Derrickson was so good, and I know he's the last Toya to kind of get a chance at the league, and you know, even though Greg Winnington is on the nuggets this year, he's so far removed from the program as far as you know when, when he last played. I'm not wrong in that Marcus Derrickson's the best player that's played under Ewing.
2: Oh, I think you're hundred percent right. Okay. That he's probably the best player that uh, played with him, and he gave him so much flexibility. the The idea of stretching and then having both him and Jesse, you could do a lot of things, and have those two play off of each other. Probably, Derrickson is incredibly underappreciated.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was really he was really good, and it's like it's like a lot of things, right? I mean, sort of you know, with uh, the, in the JT three era when you had the 20 win seasons, but something would go wrong in the tournament that you know, people would complain about not going further. And then you start struggling to even sort of get in and you're sort of on the bubble and you're like, well, you know, what, do, what, 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 what are we doing here? And then you have a couple of guys like Derrickson and Govan who are pretty good, but they're not, you know, lottery picks. So what are we doing here? And now we're at a position where, you know, you look at this roster and there's not anybody you would say is going to make the NBA. The team is, you know, got a real losing record. And you're like, wow, things we didn't appreciate over, you know, back in the day. Um, Yeah. That, I mean, that's, you know, sometimes that's how life goes in general beyond basketball. You don't appreciate what you have until, um, until, until until it's gone. But right now that's a, uh, yeah, all all that is true. Definitely an underappreciated guy for sure.
0: I mean, I just I know he came in with so much fanfare, and I think he got hurt early on. It was either in Kenner League or maybe they went on that foreign trip where they went to they went to Europe. He definitely got hurt but, in Kenner League. I was there. and He stepped on the ball. Okay, yeah, and I just feel like obviously there was those two years. The classes were actually pretty good. You know, it's it's the year before him with, um, you know, Peak and Copeland and and White and Campbell and Mourning. And then, you know, he's part of a class. And Caleb Johnson was actually a pretty highly rated recruit. Probably, you know, he's in the G League right now. Um, And then, you know, Jesse, obviously, who just signed up with the G League. But, you know, I guess it's just after you watch these games. And like I said, it's just so random that I ended up falling on that game. And the fact that I decided to watch a lot of it before just deleting it, I'm not even sure if I deleted I probably kept it knowing me, but you're just watching him. You're like, man, this is, a this. you know, this is just like, he's a guy. And there's always, you know, I'm sure this happens in every program or at least a lot of them, but you say, and I feel like at the time, Patrick, I wouldn't say was upset that he went pro, but maybe a little bit surprised. But, you know, if he came back that next year for his senior year, when you add, you know, all the kids that transferred, you know, that team was nine and nine, you you know, so there's always like, it's just like these, there's like a series of like, just like in our lives, right? Like these like little decisions that happen that like, you know, the ripple effect that it just changes everything, but it's hard to imagine Derrickson being on that team the next year and them not making the tournament. Like, I feel like that's a tournament team. Um, You know, I'm also assuming that Derrickson would have, you know, gotten better. And, You know, everyone kind of looks at last year as, wow, you know, Ewing probably would have had him in the tournament if everyone didn't transfer and if, you know, McClung in year seven didn't get hurt. But you could probably go back to year two and you're like, wow, you know, if Derrickson stays, they're probably a tournament team. And how differently would we look at everything? You know, even a game like tonight where everything went wrong. But you're like, well, you know, you made the tournament already like once, you know, they're rebuilding. You know what I mean? So that was just sort of a, a late night pandemic Georgetown. What if, I mean, there's, there's, you know, a lot of what ifs, right. There's what ifs everywhere. Like what if they don't lose this game or do that thing or, you know, whatever, what if, what if Gonzaga beats Davidson and they don't, you know, play that team and go back to the final four or whatever. But I just feel like Derrickson just missed out on being a thousand point scorer, which is kind of relative, you know, now because of, you know, what Blair and Pickett are about to do. Um, Man, Derrickson was just, he was just a guy. And that's, I guess, that's my big, I love Marcus Derrickson uh, rant of the night.
1: All right, well, cool. I'm glad you, glad you got that off your chest. Good.
0: <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if I got it off my DVR though. I don't. I, I don't know. Ben, anything you want to uh, promote on here?
1: Uh, the athletic. I, I'll be honest. I don't think we're writing a ton about Georgetown these days. I think you can understand maybe why to some degree. I'm, I've i been pulled in different directions. So I can't I can't tell you you should join the Athletic to read about Georgetown. But if you'd like to read about the Washington football team or really almost any other team in professional or college sports, we do write it all about pretty much all of them and do it at a high level. And I have the Standard Room-only podcast where I mostly talk about the Washington football team, some Wizards. If I can get Bobby on one day, maybe we'll – dabble in some Georgetown tomfoolery, but uh that that's all I have. Thank you for having me on per usual.
0: Marcus, do you want people to hit you up more? I feel like you're doing a lot more Instagram recently. Do you like Instagram or Twitter?
2: Uh I like Twitter better, but I have been doing a lot more uh Instagram lately. But um, you know, either one can hit me up anytime. I will say this. I thought I had one of my uh Better days or one of the greatest days as a parent yesterday, you know mm. after work i I got to see my son play live yesterday uh at the private school that he he attends, and they had a game yesterday where I got to see him he he's in ninth grade but he plays uh j v and so uh he came off the bench hit a couple of threes. And to be in the stands as a dad and and not you know on the sidelines as a coach uh it was great, and the game ended in time for me to make the trek to college park to watch uh maryland and ohio state and so it it was a pretty good pretty good day for me where i i got to be i got to watch basketball as a dad yesterday, and for me, as you know, with all the coaching that i do um along with the regular college basketball stuff, I I rarely get to do that. So, you know, I don't have anything to promote, but I did want to get that off my chest. At it. Yesterday cool. was a pretty darn good day.
0: That's awesome. That's good. That's good. Hey, Ben, real quick. Did you know Marcus tried to D-up Keith, Mr.
1: Jennings, in high school? <laughs> this I did not know. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Jennings was definitely, you know, like this is the college basketball talk. I like the, the 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 random guys who had, you know, who were big from some, you know, out of nowhere. This is amazing. Uh, how did
2: that go? Well, I didn't. I didn't actually. We. Re- I played for uh, Faulkner High School, and we played them um, when I was a junior. He was a senior, and we played them. Uh, fortunately for me, I never had to cover him. <laughs> but um i played on a very very our junior year we were very good we went uh, i think we were like 26 and 2 and that was one of the games we lost we lost a close one uh Keith Mr. Jennings went to Call Pepper High School and we we lost a, uh, a close one to to Call Pepper but um it always sticks out because at the time being never did i think that he would be a guy who eventually played in the nba i just knew he was really, really good in high school and uh so yeah, I I always have that. Yeah, you know, just being able to uh see and face an NBA guy in high school.
0: Yeah, forget it. I got down to like a Keith Mr. Jennings rabbit hole somehow and I knew he was about your age and I had no idea he was I wouldn't say it's completely I mean it is. It's local, but it's you know it's definitely further out um, you know, from the what I consider Nova. Um it's not that far. But my mom lives out there and I was like, you know what? These guys might have aligned. And then he said that he did. And that yeah. guy's stats were unbelievable. That was like when I I mean, the fact that I even still know, you know, what I mean, like, like you said, Ben, like that was when it was college basketball was rolling, guys like that. East Tennessee State. I think he shot like 50% from three. Just crazy.
1: Yeah, no, that was it, when 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 there were guys who were more like urban legends than like act like it's not like now where like every game's on TV, but it was like a guy like that you're like you hear stuff, you read stuff, uh, you know it was pre YouTube, obviously, um, uh, yeah, so just um, yeah, great, uh, love those guys. My favorite guy like that of all time was Fennis Dembo from Wyoming. That guy was amazing. Drafted by the Pistons. Dennis Dembo, you had to be there. It was amazing. that's All I can say. Yep. Yeah, we should just start a a food podcast
0: slash '80s college basketball. We might get better, better uh,
1: ratings. Also, so you you have more positive things to say about Patrick Ewing. I've really been digging Patrick Ewing recently. I'm just he's saying, been,
0: he's, been, he's been pretty cool. He's been. Uh... How many losses do they have right now? I mean, yeah, look, I understand no, no, that. But... I understand,
1: but I, I was like, how many losses did they have during the four years he was there versus now?
0: Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's one of the best runs program's had. I mean,
2: I think, you know,
0: I don't understand what happened in 83.
2: Keith Lee was a beast. Oh, lost to Memphis State, right? Keith Lee,
1: that was like, ooh, who's this guy? Yeah. Maybe the
0: next, the next media veil, which we've been getting a lot of them. Yeah, Patrick, you yeah, uh, guys have, 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 have been
1: Keith Lee.
0: Patrick, I'm just trying to understand something here. So you guys went to the three national championship games, but I'm too young to remember. What in the world happened
2: in 83? The, I thought that Memphis State team had another big. It was Keith Lee, and I thought they had a second big on there. But
1: Was it William maybe, um,
2: it. It might have been his freshman year. And
1: Baskerville Holmes was was the dude on those teams?
2: Yeah. That was Dana Kirk's teams, correct? Yeah. Uh, Andre Turner,
1: I want to say, was the point guard. I don't think I can name four players on Georgetown's team right now, but I can tell you what happened back in 1983. I guess.
0: So Andre Turner's got a little NBA logo by his name. So does Keith Lee. Uh, Bobby Parks scored a bunch of points. Phillip Haynes. I guess my question is like, why did they have to play them so early? You know what I mean? Like, like what, what was going on in Georgetown's season? That
1: what was Georgetown seeded?
2: Well, back then, some of the the seedings. Think about it; it almost was like there was no rhyme or reason. There was a year that North Carolina played Notre Dame in the NCAA tournament, and the game was actually in South Bend. I mean. <laughs> I mean, things were just different then with the seatings and who was where. And I think Navy, and please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, was it Navy who played Syracuse at the Carrier Dome during one of the NCAA tournaments? was um, that game
1: yeah. at College Park?
2: Yeah, yeah but yeah, was...
1: no, when David Robinson destroyed Syracuse, it was at the Carrier Dome. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I think I'm thinking of didn't didn't Richmond beat Syracuse at College Park?
1: Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. But it just wasn't a home right. It just wasn't a home game for this was literally right. a home game for Syracuse and they got destroyed. Well, I mean that we was, need
0: we need that... to talk about that more.
1: Yeah, so Memphis was that a four game. seed, Georgetown was a five seed that year.
0: But that was okay. And Georgetown played Alcorn State. Actually that was kind of a close game. Could have had a, a, Georgetown Maryland game had they not, both lost that round. Maybe we should start doing that. Just going over old brackets.
2: Yeah, I like, I love dialing. But I'm not saying college basketball as was better than or worse than or whatever. I just it was it's, because it's, it's better. I mean. This, just because of of obviously where we are age wide, um, there's a lot of great memories from those years in those games.
1: I, I mean, just just to this point in the in the Midwest region that year, these were some of the players that played Akeem Olajuwon and Patrick Ewing. <laughs> and and Len <laughs> Bias was on Maryland. that's gonna I'm gonna call call me crazy. That's gonna be better. That we that wasn't peak Len Bias yet, but like that was better than whatever's going to be in any team this year.
0: <laughs> I see Villanova was in the Elite Eight.
1: Well, who was on their team? Uh, well, I mean, it was Ed Pinckney uh, at a minimum. <sighs> These brackets are really weird. Yeah.
0: All right, guys. Well, it's definitely after dark, and I really enjoyed having a post-game pod where we didn't really talk a whole lot about the game because it's not really worthy of dissecting, other than a couple, a couple notes. I want to thank everyone for listening. Like always, I know we get better, better downloads after a win, but hopefully this, this riveting conversation of just uh, potpourri. Uh, college basketball related topics got everyone to stick around if you're not subscribing please do that rate us leave some comments you can always tweet me for ideas or for suggestions about what we're missing and what we should be talking about in the future at bobby bancroft and to you guys hopefully i can get this three-man crew back together again i know ben is a rock star but you know it's great when he comes down and hangs out with us
1: Uh, You know, just get me some (laughs) of that George Mason gruel and I'm in.
2: (laughs) I always appreciate the invitation.
0: (laughs) All right, guys. Until next time.
1: Thank you.